The tale was done. The story was told. It was over. The boy was not happy. He did not want this to be the end. He had questions. And indeed, the stranger's final question lingered with him. I don't think Ragnarok has happened yet, said the boy, answering the stranger's final question. I think that the signs are still out there, that Odin is watching for them, looking for them, wandering the worlds and waiting for signs that the end is coming. The stranger laughed. And do you think the end is coming, or is Odin mad? One of the wolves outside howled. Now the boy laughed. Odin is mad. But the end is coming. Sometimes I think I see the wolves chasing the sun and moon. The world is in order, but it is a fragile order. The only thing that keeps it together is faith. The stranger leaned forward, groaning as he did. And do you have faith? When I began telling you these tales before the hearth fire, you knew nothing of Odin. The boy shook his head. Many people have faith without knowing the stories of things. Some people just know things. It was answer enough. The stranger stood. You are a good host, boy. Better than Gerdoth could have hoped to be. You are a child of Agnar, top to bottom. Be good to your mother in the days going forward. Be virtuous. Remember the words of Odin as you cross the trackless sea to the west and to the south. Keep the gods in your heart, even when other gods beckon. Trust the gods when nothing else can be trusted, but trust yourself first. He placed a massive gnarled hand on the boy's head and rustled his hair. The stranger went to the door, opened it, and then shut it behind him. The boy caught it, watching him. He watched as the stranger whistled, his massive horse, gray in color, whose legs were not right. Not right, the boy realized, because it had too many legs. The pattern of color on the horse was like a cloud, and as the stranger mounted it, the two wolves at his feet howled and ran off, their eyes red and gleaming. The two ravens that flew above the stranger took off into the clouds, which rolled like fresh fog off the mountain. The stranger took a spear that sat beside the horse, placed leaning against a tree, and then a horn from his side. He blew it, three loud blasts, and from the sky another blast greeted him. The stranger egged his horse on. On, sleep near, to the hunt! And the horse began to gallop, forward but also up, before turning and moving onward. There, moving out of the clouds, was a massive host of souls led by women in gold, all armed, and at the front, a red-blonde-haired woman in a chariot led by two cats. Behind the woman, a host of men and women of all ages, looking forward, looking so different from anything the boy could imagine, followed. They all let out a great cry, like a shriek or a call of joy, and rode off into the night. Yule's depth was passing, and with it, the wild hunt above. The boy watched in the depths of winter in his eyes, the aurora above the clouds emerging. He spoke one word and then shut the door, and with it, the cold. Odin. Welcome to Godacy in the final episode of Season 2, The Wild Hunt. They were the Yule Beings, masters of the far north. When came the darkest night of the year, they rode out from their bright lands and went across the sky, followed by the souls of the glorious dead behind them, to remind the souls below that they were still with them, even in the heart of a wolf winter such as this. These were indeed dark times. The gods provided, but it was sometimes not enough. The landscape was changing, not just the physical one as it grew warmer, but the religious one as well. New gods were coming to the north. Many of the followers of Odin and his kin in the west had forgotten their gods, replaced with some new god. 
a problem for another time, for the humans. When the dawn threatened, they turned back and crossed the skies to Asgard for a feast in Valhalla. Food had been prepared, a meal of Frey's boars, honeyed and cooked in Adun's apples. Golden mead was provided, and the hall was warm and full. There never seemed to be a lack of room in Valhalla, but they never needed to expand it either. It was the perfect size at all times. At the head of the hall sat Odin, smiling, but not in the heart of revelry. His wife's seat beside him empty. Frigga wandered the hall, making merry with any and all who were there, ever the good hostess. Odin was busy, in his part, being a good host. He was available to anyone who sought him. Troubles with the Jotuns, quarrels that needed solving. Odin was the judge and sat in judgment when other gods were not available. And here, tonight of all nights, he was available. He was drinking, too, and he was drinking because of what he had said, what he had done. He could not say why he chose that boy, why he chose to tell him, to tell him what he told him. Perhaps he was descended of Odin, by some mortal woman, or one of Odin's sons or daughters with the mortals of Midgard. Still, he was the right choice to receive the tales, not all of them. Odin had not told the tale of how he received his spear, or how he received Slipnir, the eight-legged, and how the walls of Asgard had been built. None of that mattered, and those tales belonged to someone else. Someone had to be told, and the boy had a long life ahead of him and a bright head on his shoulders. The story would disseminate through the lands of the north and then beyond, through the written word, through runes and then other tongues. Runestones were all over the north already, and even beyond. Soon, there would be a new medium, and the runes would evolve, growing more complex. The gods, like their gifts, evolved based on the needs of those the gods preserved. And, as the vulva had told Odin, he would be forgotten in time. They all would. He did not like that. He did not like any of it. If he told a single soul here, they would chalk it up to his grimness, his perpetual ill pallor and moodiness. Frigga certainly seemed to. He wandered as much for the mortals as for himself. He was better left to his ravens, in truth. Thought and memory served him when no one else would. He liked being alone. It made the guilt easier to deal with, so he drank when he had no choice, and Yule was one such night. You're in a good mood, all father. The voice ran up his neck like ice, causing the hairs to stand up. He had not realized Loki was so close, but of course he was. He was always skulking somewhere. Laufey's son, Odin said in reply. Who was that boy? You don't dismount from the hunt, and you are never late. Not that I am allowed to attend, but I hear things. Freya is very loud. Odin looked to Freya, sitting with the poet Odir, stroking his thin beard as he serenaded her with some new poem. I have no doubt she is. He was a lone boy, left his thoughts and memories, and I thought I should give him a companion for some time. What business is it of yours, blood brother? No business, said Loki, leaning on Frigga's seat as though he might take it. But I wonder how it might look, you wandering around telling tales to lone children. What did you tell him, hmm? What could he possibly want to hear from you? Odin could tell from his voice that Loki wanted to know too, which meant that he had no idea, had not infiltrated in any way. Odin's one eye flicked to Thor in the crowd. I told him of the gods. I fear we will be forgotten. You know humanity is forgetful. The boy had never even heard our tales before. Loki laughed. Well, gods forbid the mortals forget the exploits of the son of Bor and glad of war, hmm? We always find ways to remind them, do we not, Allfather? Odin drank from his goblet. So we do, forked tongue. Tell me, why do you wander? 
The God of Lies shrugged. Much of the same reason as you, I think. I belong nowhere. Few are even close to my equal, aside from you and Thor, for very different reasons. Thor needs to burn off energy, needs to still his thoughts. You are running from something, though I dare say even I fear that hornet's nest. Me? I belong nowhere. Not even here, at your table, Allfather. You have done right by me, so far, and for that I am loyal to you, to Thor. Everyone else? They can take a dip in the poison rivers of Niflheim, for all I care. Loki took a drink of his wine and gagged as if choking. He coughed a few times, struggling to catch his breath. Perhaps it is you who need worry about drowning in poison, Loki, remarked Odin before standing. He clapped Loki on the back before walking behind his throne to make an exit through one of Valhalla's back doors. I retire. Keep the party going. And Loki? He paused, not looking at the Odin. Keep out of trouble. And don't look at Balder that way again. He is my son. You may not respect him, but respect me. He did not wait for a reply nor a bow, and instead Odin left the revelry of Valhalla to be grim elsewhere. Out the door, behind Valhalla, he climbed the steps upward to his true throne above the world. Dawn was coming. Above, Sol rode across the sky, quickly fleeing the wolf behind her. Somewhere near the horizon, the second wolf chased Mani right off the edge of the sky. From here on out, Mani's trips across the world would be shorter. Day would expand as they went towards midsummer, when the light would last well into the night, assuming there was any night at all. Then the world would flip again, and it would be Mani's time once more. Odin placed his spear against the tree, as his ravens took their place upon the throne. Hugin caught at him. Odin stroked the feathers under his beak. Munin reached down and attempted to bite his fingers, reminding him of why they were here. With both wolves at the feet of his throne, at the feet of Hildskalf, Odin sat upon the high seat and looked down upon the nine worlds. And he watched, waiting for the end, looking for even a sign that the Volva and Groboda had been wrong, that he could save his people, that he could avert Ragnarok in some way and spare his people pain, spare his wife pain. Odin looks for a moment that will not come. So concludes the tale of Odin, the first section of Norse mythology for the Goddessy podcast. This season is much closer to my original intention for Lou's season, as the original 13 episodes I planned, and just in time for the one-year anniversary of Goddessy, no less, at the time of recording, that is. It excludes a few tales, such as how Odin got his spear and his horse, and I plan on doing those as one-shot episodes because Odin is a fairly minor character in that story, aside from being the presiding king of Asgard, and it does a pretty decent job of setting up where I want Freya's season to pick up. Odin sells honestly a bit of a tragedy, because he can't win and he knows it. In this version, I set it up that he alone knows the future. The Norns obviously know the truth, and Angerboda knew, but Odin becomes unwilling to tell the others because all it will do is set them up for an eternity of suffering before Ragnarok. Why the Norse chose to kill their gods is anyone's guess. Christianity is as good a reason as any, but no other Christianized group seems to do this to their gods, put them into a giant battle royale. Ragnarok also fails to kill all of the gods. So that raises some interesting questions. Why do some gods survive Ragnarok and move into the next world, which, if the Christian hints are true, implies gods like Baldur and Vidar are hanging out with Jesus? Odin comes into prominence later than most Norse gods, according to the archaeological record, and this version of Odin's tale is one of the last before Christianity takes hold. How the Norse perceived Odin prior to his rise to the central place in the Nordic pantheon is a bit of a mystery. There are hints that Tyr, Thor, and Heimdall might have occupied that central place, or that Loki was a more important sky god of sorts. 
as well as the idea that goddesses like Frigga, Freya, and Idun might have occupied some greater place, particularly Freya Frigga. Like many things, the truth is lost to history and speculation, albeit academic speculation, and that's all that we can really hope for. Norse myth is wild, doing some pretty crazy stuff. I didn't get into Odin's gender identity issues this season, about the metaphor and metaphysics of his being speared at the side and that it may represent castration of some kind according to a few of his titles. There's no way to work it into it without disrupting the myths because frankly aside from him learning Sidir, which is explicitly women's magic, Odin's gender identity is something that we observe from the future and something occasionally commented upon by the Norse themselves just not in their myths. It's a bit of an oddity. That said, Odin learning women's magic is a disruption of the male gender system. It is also patriarchal disruption of a feminine space, showing men's power over women. In my retelling, I try to focus on the equality between Freya and Odin and Frigga and Odin, as well as their power and their sexuality. Odin and Freya don't get sexual in any way, not in this retelling, and that's simply because I'm maintaining the Frigga slash Freya divide. As mentioned, this is the end of season two. Season 3 will begin just before summer, as the sun becomes more prominent in our day. And good thing, too. Our next pantheon is on the other side of the globe, in the land of the rising sun. A land surrounded by water, full of monsters and demons and ghosts, and gods of earth and sky. Queen of those gods, queen of all the kami, is the honored ancestor of the Japanese imperial family, the center of the Shinto religion, whose grand shrine at Issei is said to contain three holy relics. She is Amaterasu, the radiant sun goddess of Japan, and she is the focus of Season 3 of Goddessy. The sun rises on Season 3 of Goddessy in late April. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sidney Yeager. Music by Scott Buckley, whose Creative Commons music can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Follow Goddessy on social media at The Goddessy Podcast. We share mythology factoids daily from all over the world, hilarious memes, and occasionally real-world wisdom. And when you do, reach out and share Goddessy with your friends, followers, and the host of The Wild Hunt. We can also be reached via email. All those can be found on the show notes, so check us out there. Your support keeps this show going. If you like what you've heard, leave a review on the podcast service of your choice and help others find us. Share us on social media, and maybe Odin will see you doing this and reward you. If you want to support the show more directly, you can get access to weekly blog deep dives and early access episodes on our Patreon. The link is also there. Goddessy is on break for now. See you in April. Thank you.